0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome,
1: everyone, to episode 102 of the NBA podcast, and Happy New Year. Today, since 2017 was an abomination, we are going to talk about the abomination of the NBA, the tank race, and who is in the lead so far, and who we think is going to be at season's end. Before we get underway wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today as always is my co-host Morton Jensen. How's it going, Morton? Happy New Year.
0: Oh, fuck New Year's, bro.
1: <laughs> the holiday spirit continues yeah. from my co-host in Denmark.
0: <laughs> Look, I mean, New Year's is just, hey, let's go out and, you know, party down and put up a lot of rockets. It's just like, shut up. It doesn't matter. It's been the most overrated party for about 20 years. It's just, It's just a day, man. But by the way, did you just say the word abomination? I did. That is just oh, that's great because literally twenty five minutes ago I was just wrapping up the Incredible Hulk <laughs> where he's going up against the Abomination. So that's great. Because I'm going through the whole Marvel thing right now because uh, I'm prepping for uh Infinity War yep. in, in late April. Yep. But I need to wrap it up in uh before February 9th. because that's when Black, Black Panther. Panther comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm just getting my, my Marvel on, and I'm not looking forward to like the latest batch, but that's okay. The, the early ones are great. They are really, really dope.
1: The, the, I mean, I, I, on your New Year's note, first of all, I want to say no one can beat my New Year's Eve when I spent the entire goddamn day in the Dallas airport because they had a little bit of ice and snow on the ground there, so they delayed our flight for six hours, which was just lovely. <laughs> just an awesome what is this thing this is dallas
0: we don't know what it is oh my
1: god if anyone out there is listening and was in the dallas airport on new year's eve i hope you like my wife and i just spent all day at the bar because that's the only way you can really deal with a six hour delay uh but also dallas can go to hell that city sucks i knew i hated it the minute the cowboys existed i was right all along screw dallas don't ever fly from there but <laughs> on your Marvel note, I did watch the the latest Spider Man movie again on the flight mm. from Denver to Dallas. Denver, great city. Dallas, terrible city. Uh, and yeah, that movie's great. You should be excited. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could hate like whatever Iron Man three. I know people hate. G- get through that. Get to the Spider Man. Spider Man's good.
0: Yeah, Spider Man's good. Uh, that that's the best Marvel one uh, for 2017, for sure.
1: Yeah, I could. What else? I, I, whatever. I buy it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, it was Thor and oh, uh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy 2.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I agree then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. More, let's talk. You know, we've talked a lot uh, this season about some of the good teams and some of the pleasant surprises. Since 2017 sucked, we need. I feel like it's only fitting that our first episode of 2018, we're just flushing out the bad and we need to talk about... All of the teams toward the bottom of the standings in both conferences, we're oh. going to start with the West. Right now, the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Mavericks, and the Suns are all within 2.5 games of one another. The Lakers have the worst record in the West at 11 and 25. The Suns are not far ahead of them at 14 and 24. So, you know, for both of these conferences. There are a couple teams that are a few games ahead of them. The Clippers and the Jazz are also out of the playoffs, but they're within reach. The Suns are five games behind the Pelicans, so I feel like it's you know, barring a total surprise it's relatively safe to project these five teams will end up in the lottery in some order. Who do you think finishes with the worst record among those five?
0: That's a good one. The Lakers, I'm sort of inclined to the Lakers, though... It depends because it, it depends on the return that they're gonna get for Tudor's Randall mm-hmm. because they have to trade him unless they just dump his ass completely in July. You no, know, not not in July. Like at the trade. Oh, team.
1: oh, oh! Just like get rid of him for whatever they can get.
0: Yeah, because they know that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna lose him mm-hmm. anyway because they're gonna renounce him if Paul George shows any kind of interest. Yeah, and LeBron also as well. So. But yeah, it's a game because they have to gauge whether that interest from PG and Braun is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Because if it isn't, it would be a stupid idea to just let assets go like they did with D'Angelo Russell. Right. So, I, I don't know. I just think this team is in flux. I don't really know what they're planning to do. And you mentioned in our outline that Andrew Bogut is... Sort of like saying out loud what we're all Mm -hmm. thinking—that we all know about the cap situation next year. We know what they're trying to do. They want some superstars in here, and we all feel like placeholders more or less. Right? Like, yeah, that's not a good sign.
1: Yeah, I—I mean, that I was gonna, you know, we we can save the who finishes last conversation until we touch on a few more of these teams, but. With the Lakers, I was gonna ask you basically, like, what, do, where do they go from here? Given Bogut's comments, oh. you know, both Lonzo has missed the past five games with the shoulder injury. Kyle Kuzma's banged up with the quad injury. You know, they don't have their pick, their first round pick this year, is going to either Boston or Philly, so they have no incentive to tank. But as you said, you know, since this past summer. Magic Johnson and Rob Polenka have made no secret that, you know, they're trying to carve out two max contract spaces, which they Mm -hmm. don't have at the moment. They would have to trade Jordan Clarkson, let Randall go, somehow figure out, you know, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said they've given up on trading Deng because they have asked around and teams want Kuzma or Brandon Ingram or, like, multiple first-round picks to take that contract back. Which, Which like, I get. Yeah, right. I mean, why help, you know, especially knowing what the Lakers are trying to do, why help them out <laughs> unless yeah. you are getting a, you know, a murderous return. So shout out to the rest of the NBA for holding them over a barrel for signing that horrendous contract in the first place. Oh, yeah. But regardless, the point stands that, yeah, like they've they've said, you know, throughout this past year, we're trying to carve out two max contract spots. So Randall knows, you know, the math says if you're going to do that, and if Paul George and LeBron or Paul George and Boogie are going to come to L.A., I'm gone. Like, I'm a placeholder. He's been having his minutes jerked around all season by Luke Walton, and I know a lot of Lakers fans are pissed about that because he's been playing well when he does get minutes. So, yeah, like, what I mean, if you're the Lakers, Mort, do you – are you feeling pressure to trade him by the deadline? Do you think you have to pull the trigger on a trade or do you feel comfortable, you know, going into July knowing that this is your plan is plan. A is definitely get LeBron and Paul George. But if that backfires, at least you have plan B of, okay, resign Randall, resign, Brooke Lopez, resign KCP. And at least, you know, save some mm-hmm. cap space for
0: 2019. Yeah. Well, I, I'd feel comfortable having the option that you know his Julius Randall's future is in my hands mm. you know if I'm the Lakers I have control right uh, because he can he's a restricted free agent so you have the right to match and you can do whatever yep so that's fine the thing with me is I if I'm the Lakers I I do feel pressure into gauging the trade market for him just mm-hmm. to see what's out there because it seems like this is from an outside perspective. I haven't heard anything, but it seems like they are not really doing a whole lot of homework right now. because they're sitting on the same roster as they did early in the season. The trade deadline has been moved up a week. Right. So it's now February 8th, yep, um, which is just over a month away. Yep. We have heard absolutely nothing, which could be a sign of them working the phones or just in, engaging the market. But usually we have someone like Voj or Mark Stein picking something up, and we've heard absolutely diddly squat. Mm-hmm. So what I fear is that they're just sitting a little bit back and going, well, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see what happens. And then in the summertime, we'll make the, the calls there because they've done that in years past. Now, to be fair, Rob Palenka is in charge now. Mm-hmm. That, that wasn't the case a couple of years back for when they were going for criminal Anthony, for example. So they might have a plan laid out or they might be in the process of building one, but I'm sort of weirded out by the fact that we haven't heard any buzz surrounding them.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, to be fair, we haven't heard buzz about really, it's been relatively quiet on the trade deadline market so far. We've heard, you know, Deandre Jordan and Marcus saw who we'll touch on in a minute, but a Nico. Yeah. But like, aside from the really obvious names, I think you know they probably. I I would hope for the sake of Lakers fans that they are doing some behind the scenes work and if we're mm. just not hearing about it. Maybe, you know, if if they are and the and we aren't hearing about it, that's a testament to their front office. Like, the fewer leaks you have coming out, especially about sensitive subjects like trades, the better. So that's
0: interesting. Do you think like NBA teams are going like anti-vote? Like trying actively to, to like, I don't know, make it like a yeah. competition. My name is going to be mentioned the least. Like, <laughs> I
1: mean, I feel like most of the time, I you know, I don't know how this stuff works. I, I feel like most of the time when you have a reporter saying sources said it's the agent, not a team. Maybe, you know, I'm sure there are cases where that's not true and where a front mm-hmm. office... Or owner, uh, you know, some personnel involved with the team are, is saying something, but like, I'm only really referring to like the Jalil Okafor saga here. Like, all of that shit was driven by his agent, and you could tell. Like, I mean, it, it was just so, so blatantly obvious. So, right, you know, maybe, maybe Polinka and Magic, are, you know, I'm sure they're in contact with Clarkson's agent with Randall's agent. And maybe they're saying like, look we're willing to work with your client to get something that's favorable for all of us. But if you leak this, you're going to ruin all of our leverage. So just stay quiet. Like maybe it's just a, some behind the scenes back channeling with, you know, agents and teams. Yeah. Executives. Some agreement. Yeah. And like right. maybe teams are wising up cause they've seen, you know, when these trade demands become public, all of a sudden all of your leverage is gone. And then you, it's like, then the team just doesn't want to pull the trigger.
0: Well, they lost their leverage when they went out on the Paul, George, LeBron, James pipe dream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, I would feel confident if I returned with somewhat the same roster. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think Brandon Ingram is is a bad player. I would like to see him moving forward. Same with Kuzma. Hell, even Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I wouldn't you know sort of be interested in bringing back assuming you know he doesn't violate his probation
1: right
0: or parole um or whatever you call it jordan clarkson is the one guy i would sort of be a little bit indifferent to Mm -hmm. i don't think he's a finished product but he's what 25 at this point yeah so the ceiling isn't significant but to be fair he's having a really good scoring season he's just not getting the minutes right and of course, Julius Randall. I, like, I, let me ask you something. Do you think Julius Randall is their best player? No. Because no. Because when I look at that team, when I look at them play, I'm, I'm not ready to say yes, but I'm definitely not ready to say no.
1: I think he's one of their better players, and I think he deserves more minutes than he's getting. I, you know, I, I think he's being politicked his way out basically, and like mm-hmm. Luke Walton gave some BS. Explanation recently about why he his minutes are jerked around. And he's like, I want Julius to realize that you know this is the effort, the requisite effort you need to play with to get these type of minutes. So when he doesn't get these minutes, and then he comes hard, comes back and plays hard the next game, it does get those minutes. It's part of his development. It's like,
0: oh, that's Dwayne Casey and on yeah. Julius all over again. Right, yep.
1: right, right. So that that stuff is you know I I think that's really just. Being driven from the front office, most likely, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's worth keeping around. Like I, I, I'm with you in saying, if your plan B is just roll it back with this roster, like I don't think, you know, with another year of seasoning for all of these guys, I don't think this is the worst team in the Western Conference. Like heading into the year, I was nervous about them because the Sixers have their pick. I was nervous that. You know, they might actually be good enough to be 10th instead of third in the lottery. Right. You know, it's looking like that might not happen, but I think they do have the talent on this roster to get there, especially with a couple tweaks here and there. I don't think if their Paul George and LeBron Pipe dream goes up in flames, as we expect it will, (laughs) I don't think it's the end of the world for the Lakers. I think they still have a really promising young core. It's not a bad thing if they just build around Ball, Kuzma, Randall, Ingram. Like, that's, you know, most – wouldn't the Magic, like, kill to have that type of young core?
0: Yeah. So – For sure. Yeah. And I just wanted to clarify something regarding, like, Consavius Caldwell-Pope. Because I wouldn't want him back at his current salary. Oh, yeah. I like – yeah, I like him as a underrated two-way player – Mm-hmm. And by the way, remember when we had Mark Deeks on, and we talked about the perfect guy for Oklahoma City? Yeah, KCP. Hey, KCP. Yeah, yep. because that his lack of efficiency wouldn't be a problem there, right? Because it would it wouldn't be a lack of efficiency. He would be wide out, fucking open all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But he's kind of the guy that you're. You Expected him to be now, like a couple years ago, we were like, Yeah, he's good, but he's never going to be this highly efficient uh, guy who's playing like in a primary role, like right. second or third option. Mm-hmm. And we see that again with the Lakers, like it's eerily similar stats to when he was in Detroit and efficiency and all that. So, him at a discount, return with uh, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, I guess, Lonzo Paul. As well, he can come to Brian. That's fine. <laughs> That's okay. Then, yeah, sure. I wouldn't mind rolling that back and see what you get.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Lakers in the next month or so. And another team right in that same mix with Western Conference, you know... <laughs> would-be-hopefuls-turned-disastrous seasons. The Grizzlies, who have been without Mike Conley for more than a month as he works his way back from another lower body injury, we still don't know. He, he It sounds like he's gra- ramping up his uh, return to practices and he was... It sounds like he, he might be back relatively soon, but at this point, they're 12 and 25. They might be too far gone to really get back into the playoff race. So, what
0: a waste of Tyreek Evans.
1: Yeah, so that's my question. If the Grizzlies, you know, let's say they go another two weeks and they are, you know, they're they're only six and a half back right now, so like mathematically they are not dead by any means. Mm. But let's say Conley is out for another two to three weeks, they fall, you know, eight, nine, ten games out from the ten or from the eight seed. It's February first. What do they do with Tyreek Evans? They almost have to trade him, don't they?
0: Oh, I hate saying yes to this because here's the thing. They've been looking for a guy like that for so long. Now they have him. They have Marcus Saul and Mike Conley locked up on deals. They need him. Mm -hmm. They need this type of guy. But yeah, because of their situation, it's just painfully logical for them to trade him at this point. So they can get worse, get a better draft uh, position, and some sort of asset in return. It just makes sense. But that must be such a bitter pill to swallow if you're a Memphis. Because that's the third guy.
1: Yeah. Right. That's the guy you were hoping Chandler Parsons became.
0: Exactly. And look, here's the thing. He's playing at an all-star level. Yeah. Like, let's not kid around here. Tyreek Evans is putting up a PER of twenty three point one and a true shooting percentage of fifty eight point four. He's hitting over forty two percent from downtown on high volume for his you know from his standards. Mm-hmm. Five rebounds, four and a half assists, almost twenty points a game in just thirty and a half minutes. Come on, just one point nine turnovers as well. Even though he's handling the ball a shit ton of the time.
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's like <sighs> he's rookie of the year Tyreek. You know, eight years. Yeah, later. just better. Yeah. Yeah. Just right. a yeah. lot better. Except now he's hitting threes <laughs> at a forty three percent clip instead of twenty six yeah. basically.
0: So I mean again, it's it has to come down to like gauging the situation because maybe Tyreek feels Oh, you know what, I kind of returned to mm-hmm. where I was supposed to be here in Memphis. That's that's due to the system that's due to the the trust they have in me as a player. Mm-hmm. I like it here, and if that's the vibe that they're getting and he's like, "You know what? I want to be here. I want to return next year." Yeah, sure. They'll have to clean up the cap and figure out a way to keep him. But then I would hesitate moving him because yeah. they've been looking for how long have been have they been looking for this third guy? 5 years?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, they well they had Zebo for a while. But, like, yeah, but a, was, a wing. Yeah. Like another complimentary wing for sure. I that mean, was
0: Rudy Gay the last time.
1: Yeah. That sounds right. I can't think yep. yeah, I mean like <laughs> Tony Allen was great defensively, but you know, he Right. Teams learned to ignore him very quickly on offense.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, they really Chandler Parsons isn't gonna be returning to what he used to be.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean that that is a sunk cost at this point. He's mm-hmm. he's playing better than he did last year, but that does not say very much because he was barely on the floor last year and he was right. horrendous when he was. Yeah, I mean, it's a really tricky situation with Tyreek. I agree because, like, yes, ideally, you build around him. Like, he's <laughs> part of your core for the future. He's only 27 or he's in his age... 20, or no, now he's 28, I guess. But yeah, he, you know, he's... Oh, God, he's... He's still, like, young enough that, I mean, he's the youngest member of their big three right now. So, like, you could feasibly extend the window for another year or two with Conley and Gasol if you keep Tyreek around. But, as you said, he's an unrestricted free agent in July. He's due for it. He's not resigning for $3.3 million like he did this right. past season. I mean, he's going to get, yep. at you know, feasibly the mid-level I would say is the absolute floor for him so then it becomes that as you said then the question becomes does he feel some type of loyalty to Memphis and does he think you know you guys helped me revive my career here I'm willing to take a slight discount to stay with you or is he just in pure mercenary mode like does he realize this is my last best chance to get a fat check and I'll I'll just take you know chicago bulls you offer me four years right. 80 million whatever yeah. i played for shitty teams my whole life like i
0: and that's a fair prerogative by the way like, yeah that's that, that's completely fair i can't knock him for for taking that approach if that's what happens no
1: me neither i mean what he he was coming off of yeah i mean his previous contract was signed before the cap bump so like he missed 64. out
0: 64 Was that 64 million i believe it was with new orleans
1: yeah, I'm trying to look back right now. I think it was even less than that. Looks like oh, it might maybe. have been... Yeah, like 40...
0: Oh, was it that low?
1: Yeah, I think it was in the... Let's see. It was, it was somewhere in the 40s, it looks like.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. So he missed um, yeah, out.
1: four-year, 44 million.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he's going for the cash.
1: Yeah. So, yep. I mean, it, it sucks for Memphis, but... You know, he's signed to a cheap enough deal and he's playing productively enough that I feel like he would be a valuable addition to any playoff contender. So I think a team would you know, if mm. Lou Williams fetched a first round pick last year, Tyreek Evans should be able to fetch a first round pick this year.
0: Um so I've I've been mentioning a whole bunch of names even just five minutes ago. Thunder? Yep. Wizards. Oh,
1: that's a good one. <laughs> or the Raptors, like
0: no, no, no. Let's stick with the Wizards. The, yeah,
1: I mean, I don't know what they have to give up. I think that's going to be a lot. Of the problem with a lot of these teams, unless, probably a first round pick. Yeah, and I mean, if, if Memphis is willing to do that, you know, all of those teams are going to have relatively low first round picks. Maybe not OKC or Memphis. I mean, or Washington. Yeah. Like maybe it ends up in the high twenties. And if, if Memphis says, you know what, screw it, we're rebuilding anyway. Let's well, just accrue all the picks we can. Tyreek's gone. It doesn't matter. This is a lost season. Mm. You know, a, a pick in the 20s is better than nothing. But, yeah, like, yeah. he, I don't, I can't think. And he's think not of, a long-term
0: guy either. Right.
1: I mean, yeah, you're giving up, you know, what? You're giving up a pick in the 20s for a valuable addition who's expiring in July. And if you don't want to keep him, bye-bye.
0: Mm. He's essentially of- going to like the Memphis situation in the East, just a better team, because they have Jan Mahimi on the roster who's clocking up their chances of re signing him. Yep. So maybe we're looking we should look at teams that have the opportunity to re sign him.
1: <laughs> That's it's gonna be a very small set of teams, mm. especially teams that that are gonna be in playoff contention. Right. I mean, like, oh, I think yeah. Philly would, but I don't think Philly is going to give up anything of value for him. No, no. So And Miami
0: capped out by the ridiculous summer yeah. that they had. Yep. Indiana is not really in need of a guy like Tariq. Because yep. they're, I mean, they're good, but they're not, I don't know, are they at that point where they might be a buyer's team? Indiana? Yeah,
1: I think it depends on what happens with Victor Oladipo, who has been yeah. out for a couple games now with a knee injury. We don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, they've lost four straight. They're only a half game ahead of the Knicks for the number eight seed right now. If if Depot come, mm. if Depot's out long term, <laughs> we should yeah, be mentioning them in the tank conversation too because they are about to nosedive.
0: But Detroit. I Detroit.
1: Yeah, Detroit would be a good one, but I don't, I'm thinking they do not have the cap space. Yeah, they don't have the cap space. They might signed. have
0: if they're if they don't end up re-signing Avery Bradley after that whole accusation thing.
1: Yeah, that's they still have. They have Drummond re-signed to a huge deal. Jackson is yeah. still signed. Tobias Harris still still signed. John Luehr, Boban, Langston Galloway. It looks like. According to track they already have $104 million allocated next year without Avery Bradley, so they are out. In I of... wonder
0: if Detroit will be one of those teams that would will be willing to give up a first-rounder to get like a, a debt contract off the books because they're they're a good team, mm-hmm. but they're not that good that it's going to be like a pick in the late 20s.
1: Right. I I would assume so. I mean... That Yeah, maybe. I, I really don't know. I mean, it, an interesting angle to this whole Tyreek thing is that really there aren't that many teams that are going to have cap space, and especially good teams. Like, I'm yeah. looking at Spotrak right now, and I apologies in advance if this is not totally accurate. This is just practical cap space for 2018-19. Only 11 teams have at least 10 million in cap space and that includes the rockets when you take chris paul's cap hold out so that it's a non-factor because they're going to resign chris paul (laughs) so hey i'll
0: take Tyreek evans over right right Right.
1: so it's like the lakers the bulls the mavericks the hawks the sixers the magic the suns the nets the kings oh
0: the magic he's so going to orlando isn't he
1: (laughs) The Jazz, oh Rodney Hood, yeah. So that's not once they deal no. with him. So I mean, yeah. it's the Sixers basically as the only team competing for a playoff spot right now that will have the practically have the cap space to re-sign Tyreek this summer for above ten million a year. So man,
0: he might actually be out of the market, Tyreek,
1: or he's just going to go to a crap team.
0: Like yeah, but like maybe if if so few team have cap space. Yeah. Like they might not think that a Tyreek Evans, with just a one good year under his belt, yeah. is worth all that money. True.
1: Well, I could see like, <laughs> I mean, the Kings have already gone up that. Oh yeah, yeah. So I could, I'm not going to say the Kings, but Dallas could be an interesting spot for him.
0: Well, they do need a replacement for West Matthews. So yeah, yeah.
1: The I well the the point of this whole thought exercise is that. It feels like Memphis depending unless Conley comes back in the next like week and they start surging up the standings, it feels like they're gonna be clear sellers Um, at the deadline. We've talked about Marcus All in the past and I'm sure in the coming weeks we will bring it up again because his name is sure to start floating on the rumor mill. Yeah. You know, I I just think it extends beyond Marcus All. I think basically there there should be everyone should be up for sale at the right price if you're memphis
0: i think they are
1: yeah i would agree and i mean sacramento going back to the original question of who finishes last in the west sacramento is going to be a sneaky contender because at a certain point they're going to just start playing the young guys a lot like they once they are effectively removed from playoff contention there i feel like they're going to pivot more into Scal and Willie cauley and Darren Fox, all of whom are playing, but playing inconsistently. Dallas, you know, Rick Carlisle's a magician, so I I would not expect Dallas to finish last, but in terms of pure talent, Dallas might be the worst team in the Western Conference. I don't think that's a particularly no. controversial take.
0: They wouldn't be if Seth Curry had been healthy, but... yeah. Yeah, right, them, the, those are the breaks. That's true,
1: and Seth Curry is still out indefinitely. He has not played at all this season with a stress reaction, they called it, but you have to assume it's a fracture at this point. So hopefully he comes. back. That's just back.
0: such a tough luck.
1: Yeah, it sucks. I, I mean, hopefully he comes back soon because he's in a contract year, and it's gonna. Yeah. But then you know if he's hurt all year, maybe it opens the door for another team to steal him away at discount, like the Mavs did two years ago. And the Suns the Suns have been frisky. I I want to give a shout out before we move on <laughs> to the East yeah. to the Phoenix Suns because we all thought they were going to be horrendous. We all penciled them in with the Bulls and the Hawks as one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA. They, you know, they're right in the conversation. They're they are not super far ahead of the Lakers, but 14 and 24 is better than I expected from the Phoenix Suns through the first half of the season. So I, you know, it's really just a testament to Devin Booker and T.J. Warren, and the rest of the team has been hit or miss. Mm. You know, I guess Marquise Chris is starting to come on as of late. Tyson Chandler has just been like the dependable vet that he always is, but you know the rest of them. It really has been pretty hot or cold all season. But it, it, yeah. you know, there there is a the long standing is Devin. Booker like going to be a superstar debate on Twitter and you know, he's looking what, he's 21, 22? he's carrying this Sun's team. Think. Like he's he's yeah. looking good. I'm I'm buying all the Devin Booker stock I can right now.
0: Yeah, so I I, I don't know. I was when people were really just japping on booker a year ago oh he's bad he's not a good player it's all volume stats mm-hmm. and people were comparing him to andrew wiggins i was just like no because his role is different yeah like he's being asked to do a very specific thing and he's doing it just wonderfully i mean last year as at the age of 20 22 points a game this yep. year at 21 25 points a game doing so on insane efficiency i mean I just, I don't get it. I don't get the Devin Booker hate. I know that he's not a strong defender yet. Right. But his rebounds are up. His assists are up. I mean, yeah. you see the improvements year to year, unlike Wiggins. So I'm more inclined to agree with you that I'm buying stock in Devin Booker. Also, Andrew Bailey had a tweet on, I believe, New Year's Eve. I don't remember the percentage, but he was like ranking players who had produced. Uh, you know, percentage-wise, produced most of the offense for their teams, mm-hmm. and Booker was extremely high on the list. I want to say like fifth or sixth or whatever, and yeah. he's that was actually with him missing ten games. Damn, like he would have been higher had he not missed the ten games, and like he would have been up in the LeBron Harden area.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. I was about to say. I'm sure, like he's in the company with Harden, LeBron, probably KD. Westbrook, yes, presumably. Exactly. Like,
0: Some of those guys, right? Yeah. Which is
1: like if I mean that's the type of company you would like to be in if mm-hmm. you're in. Yeah, I I I don't get it either. I mean he, yeah, he's setting career highs across the board basically. I whatever. I shout out to the Suns. They 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 found a good one there. So mm. if I have to pick one team that's gonna finish last, I'm taking Memphis only because I expect a fire tail at the deadline, but who knows maybe conley comes back sooner than expected and yeah so in that case i would probably take the kings
0: <laughs> and 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 to be fair we are having this discussion 1 month too soon
1: yeah that's true
0: because we don't know jack shit prior to the deadline yep after, after the deadline we'll have a wonderful idea of where things stand
1: yeah and we'll revisit this after the deadline and as we get closer yep. to the end of the season we just we figured we hadn't given much love to these a lot of these teams this year, so might as well talk yeah. on today.
0: Did we give them love, Brian?
1: <laughs> I said good job on finding Devin Booker. That's That's something.
0: true. That's true. That's something <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's something.
1: Let's move on to the Eastern Conference. So, we're in a similar boat, where a lot of these teams are very close to each other in the standings. Mm-hmm. The Atlanta Hawks right now currently have the worst record of basketball at 10-26. and 26. Orlando Magic, Chicago Bulls, Charlotte Hornets, and Brooklyn Nets are all within 3.5 games of the Hawks. And then again, you got a couple other teams, the Knicks, the Sixers, that are a few games ahead of them, but they're still... Both teams are within 1.5 games of the eight seed, so we're not going to consider them as potential tankers today. That could change in the next couple weeks. So more, let's let, before we go to the who finishes last question, we touched on your former Bulls before uh, with Deeks a couple weeks ago. Right. They continue to be like a real basketball team. They're 10-4 since Nico returned. <laughs> Zach yeah. Levine. It seems like he's going to make his debut in the next week or two. At you know, at the very right. latest. Should Bulls fans be excited about what's happening, or are they screwing themselves out of a top five pick in the one season where they looked like they were a lock for it?
0: I actually wrote a piece about this on FanRack the other day, and it's very important to gauge the situation in chicago man i feel like i would say gauge the situation to every team but it's true like that's the situation we're in Mm -hmm. because what the the bulls are are at a crossroads right now and the and here's a fun fact just before i continue the more that they lose right now is actually helping them because they're forced to take a decision very very soon because at some point if they keep on winning they will be at a place where they can't look back and say oh we we can be the we, we can no longer be the worst team in the league We've, we won 20 games and we're at the midway of the season that's it's not doable like right. they are bound to make a decision at some point or the other and them losing buys them time mm-hmm. as weird as it sounds but they have to figure out whether what the bulls are doing right now is sustainable that's really the main key here. They have to look at Nico and Laurie Markkinen and all those guys and determine, with the addition of Zach Levine, will this team keep on winning at a high rate? Mm-hmm. Are we willing to sacrifice a shot at Luka Dantic, DeAndre Aiden, those type of guys, to keep building the platform that we're seeing develop in front of our eyes? And to be fair, Chris Dunn has been better. Yep. Bobby Portis is much improved. Nikola Biric, very much improved. Larry Markkinen, strong, good player. I mean, it's not like the components aren't there. It's just you run the risk of getting a team that is somewhat like the Miami Heat. Mm -hmm. They have a good second half or first half or half a season of good play. And then you decide to go all in on it. You know, we're banking on these guys. And then you forego a high draft pick. And then you see that guy be drafted somewhere else and blow up as a superstar. And you go... Oh, oh no! (laughs) Right, and so so they have to simply understand they have to get on the same page and go. Are we willing to sacrifice that chance to believe in the team that we have right now? Mm -hmm. And I'm really leaving it up to each Bulls fans because some some guys are just excited to see them win, and you know, fair game to you. That's fine. That's that's cool. That's that's okay. Just realize that there is a risk that this draft, the 2018 draft, is going to resemble the one 21 years ago where Boston lost out to Tim Duncan. Mm. And who knows, Luka Doncic could be Chicago's Tim Duncan for 20 goddamn years. Mm -hmm. So that's what you're up against. Am I willing to risk all of that and go all in on this somewhat brief winning streak,
1: right? So, if I mean, because it's Gar Packs, we're gonna assume they are, and that they will, you know. I'm
0: yeah. I'm inclined to agree with that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but let's say they realize that, you know, yes, it's great. Like I, I think what you said is right. If if they were winning by playing veterans who have no place in their long-term future, like only playing veterans who have no place in their long-term future and the rookies in the pit, you know, like mm. if a Chris Dunn and Laurie Markkinen weren't even getting off the bench, I'd be much more alarmed as a Bulls fan. But the fact that Dunn has been such a critical piece of this stretch, that Markkinen's playing well, that Bobby Portis is playing well, you know, yeah, Nico's helped fuel a lot of this, but... They have a team option on him next year. Like they could keep mm. him around. So it's not like he's, you know, guaranteed gone in July. They have, you know, what they are right. doing. They they are building something here. And if Levine comes back and he helps continue this this hot streak of late, like you know, Levine, that's that's the main piece you gave up for Jimmy Butler. Like you hope Zach Levine turns into something right. worth keeping around. But let's let's assume. Garpax realizes you know what you said like they they want Luka or bust basically. Yeah. How, what do they do to cut this team's legs out basically? How do they get them back to losing?
0: They trade essential pieces, for example, Robin Lopez. Mm. Because Lopez's stats may not jump off the page, but yeah. he's doing everything like his yep. screen work to get Laurie mark an open mm-hmm. is outstanding his offensive rebound is sublime he is one of the biggest reasons as well for the for them playing well at this point he's the glue mm-hmm. trade him and i kind of think the whole house of cards falls apart no pun intended kevin spacey but <laughs> you know i he's he's the one guy that you should definitely look to trade And I know a lot of Bulls fans are going no because he's the heart. Yeah, that's the point. Mm -hmm. That's that's how you lose. You trade the heart. The Bulls started going downhill when they traded Luol Deng to the Cleveland Cavaliers back in the day. I think it was twenty fourteen. That's when they lost their identity. Yeah, trading Luol Deng was that's what you could trace it back to. Mm -hmm. They lost respect from the players. They lost that voice, that the guy who could walk around everyone in the locker room and put an arm around them and give them guidance and all these things. And they started becoming, slowly but surely, a bad basketball team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, Robin Lopez is carrying that role. Lose him, maybe a power forward. I mean, I I, I like Bobby Portis' play, but... You know, he's also giving himself some trade value right now. So if you can chip in on that one, yeah, sure. And then keep Nico and Laurie Markinen wouldn't be the worst thing in the world.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So those are the things that you do. And if you get an insane offer for Nikola Mm Miritich, and I do mean ridiculous offer because they shouldn't trade him for peanuts. Like, he's good. He's too good to trade for nothing.
1: Yeah, totally. I I think. And he has a no-trade clause, right? Or he can veto any trade? Yeah,
0: he can veto, and he can only get traded from January 15th. Right, yeah, it's not... not, And onwards. Right,
1: not technically a no-trade clause, but yeah, he can veto any trade. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to limit the types of deals they can include him in. It seems like, I mean, you know, earlier this season, especially when tempers were a little hotter from the whole Bobby Portis punching him in the face thing, it sounded like he was willing to wave it anywhere. He just wanted to get the hell out of there. Maybe because of how they've fared in the past couple of weeks, things will be different. Maybe, you know, maybe this... Yeah. There, there have been pictures circulating on Twitter of, like, him high-fiving Bobby Portis, which seemed like a pipe dream two
0: months ago. So... I actually have a nugget about that one. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. So I've been reaching out to some people I know. Mm-hmm. Um who have some contacts for for Mirotic camp mm-hmm. to actually gauge where where's his head at right now, and unlike a couple of months ago, nobody's talking, interesting. which is interesting. Exactly, I'm not sure what to to what category to put that in. Yeah. but a couple of months ago it was like he wants out, like right. he's he's not interested in sticking around. Something changed, and now they are shutting the hell up, which is huh. <laughs> really weird. Yeah.
1: So that would yeah. seemingly imply that he is happier at least now than at least, he was a yeah. few months
0: ago. I And, and if you want to be speculative about it, you could say maybe, you know, he's made some sort of agreement with management that I'm not going to comment on anything. Sure. I'm just going to let you guys find a deal for me, whatever. Yep. Yep, like, sure. not sure, but it's just nothing. Hmm. Just silence. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: I mean, it, it's like the Lakers. I think the Bulls will be a really fascinating team to look at. Heading into the trade deadline, they have a lot of cap space so they could mm-hmm. take on some bad deals and get some picks or young prospects attached. The Nico situation looms large. If you know, it's it'll be interesting to see whether they decide to blow up this team and just really go all in on tanking. It's they're gonna have a lot of tough decisions in the next couple weeks because shit, three weeks ago they were three and twenty and they were looking like they were cruising to the number one yep. pick. And now You know, they're right back in the mix. I mean, God, they are five teams ahead of them, right? No, six. Yeah. Six teams ahead of them. So suddenly they've gone from one to seven.
0: Yeah. The only thing that would be stupid from the Bulls would be if they went into the deadline going, oh, we're going to buy.
1: Yeah. They shouldn't be (laughs) a buyer. But
0: if they decided to go that route, that would be where you just went, oh, no. Yeah. That's the worst thing they can do. Right at least don't be a buyer just wait it out if you're in, if you're interested to see how this team goes just play the young guys yeah. i will say this i'll add another name that they sh- probably should be looking to trade um, justin holiday mm, That's it's a good one because he's he's a two-way player yeah he's not shooting all that well but people you know teams respect his outside shot right and he's pretty dynamic in that regard so mm-hmm. if you trade him and he's also one of the older players on the team Trade him and Robin Lopez and force a shit ton of minutes upon Denzel Valentine, who is still a tremendously poor defender. Yeah. Yeah, then I think things will work out. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that'll
1: that'll be fun to watch. We need to talk about the Orlando Magic, too. 'Cause they Yes. Let's oh, they started so well and we were like, you know, all of us heading into the year had very low expectations mm-hmm. for the Magic just because that's kind of what they've been for the last five years since the Dwight Howard trade. Then they start yeah. eight and four. Aaron Gordon looks like an all star. We're like, Oh God, uh oh, we we right. underrated the magic. Then they lose nine straight. All five and of their bowling
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: like, all right, like, all five of their starters have now missed time, extensive time to injuries. Uh, Gordon and Evan Fournier just worked their way back, only for Nikola Vucevic to suffer a fractured, or a broken bone mm. in his left index finger that's going to knock him out for the next six to eight weeks. So, Bismack Biombo has entered the starting lineup, is doing Bismack Biombo things, you know, double-doubling with a couple blocks, but providing far less, uh offensive touch than Bucevic had. And they are what are they? One and it looks like eleven in their last twelve games. So they are currently the second worst team in the East. They're only a game ahead of the Atlanta mm-hmm. Hawks. What yep. I mean So now that they're, they're now they are heading into restricted free agency with Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton this summer if they stand pat. Mm-hmm. Where where do you go if you're the Magic?
0: I don't keep Alfred Payton. I don't want a point guard who shoots air ball layoffs because he's <laughs> blocked by his own hair. <laughs> no, okay, that's, that's a cheap shot. But Alfred Payton, he's got good control of the basketball game. But uh-huh. again, we, we've spoken about this at length. If you can't shoot the ball, you're always going to have a very limited potential.
1: As a point guard.
0: As a point guard. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily resign. I would shop him at the deadline hard, mm-hmm. just see what I could get. Aaron Gordon, I keep. Yeah, Hell he's yeah. shown enough yeah. for me now that I am. He's a keeper. Yeah, and I kind of like the offensive potential in a three-man core of Gordon, Fournier, and Vucevic. Mm-hmm. Everyone can shoot. Uh, they're not a liability at the free throw line. Two of them can rebound. They can all pass the ball somewhat efficiently. So I like that. Now I'm just kind of interested in, is Luka Doncic or DeAndre Ayton the next piece there?
1: Mm. Like
0: I think they kind of need one of those big-time guys Mm -hmm. in this draft, in this upcoming draft. And if they just get that, one, a top-five pick, and they have those three guys, then I'm pretty much open to removing everyone else. Though I would prefer to keep Jonathan Simmons because he's awesome. Mm -hmm. But... Everyone else, and I'm of course assuming Jonathan Isaac will be back. He's only played 15 games. That's why I'm not counting him in at this point. Adios to everyone else. Everyone else, literally.
1: So, I have two questions and and we should note that we are going to unveil a new segment in a few minutes with your sizzling Mm -hmm. draft takes, but before we get there, because I, I have not followed the draft as closely as I usually do this year, coincidence or not the Sixers are not as bad as they've been the last couple years so maybe that's why I'm not following it as closely yet are
0: they can still make it though
1: yeah I mean well with the Lakers pick they'll hopefully be up there but yeah they could also very easily with their own pick too so I okay let's start with this question is there a point guard in the top like it seems like this the top five or six are basically just bigs, forwards, or Doncic, who is a do-it-all kind of wing-forward. Yeah, winner. who
0: could play point guard-ish. Just, right. You know, yeah, positionless point guard. Yeah. So
1: there's there, is, there, is there not, like, a top point guard prospect?
0: Oh, there are two who are not in the conversation to be the first overall pick, but there are two point guards who are intriguing. Okay. One is Colin Sexton. And the other is Trey Young. I'm pretty sure yeah. you've heard about Trey yes. Young specifically. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And Sexton's
1: um, Alabama, is that right?
0: That's correct. Okay. Already had a forty-pointer. Huh. Um, is scoring twenty points a game, getting to the free throw line a ton. He is one of those guys who can finish at the rim and get to the line. He can also shoot the three ball. He's uh, he's he's a, a funny player, and I mean that but a very positive complimentary type of way because he's he's very young mm-hmm. he's a freshman at Alabama and despite the fact that he's this strong scorer you're kind of looking at him and going you know what I expect him to do more like not necessarily at a college level but when he gets to the NBA like that, this will this would free him a little bit mm. he seems to be one of those guys who on a bigger court and with better spacing and players around him is going to rise his game up a little bit more mm-hmm. so when you're looking at a freshman's line and he's averaging 20 points a game, getting to the free throw line nine times, and you're going, "Huh, he can do more," that's actually a positive. Yeah. Like that's a compliment because the, that stat line is not common for freshmen at all. Right. So.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So okay. I'm pretty secure in his ability. Mm-hmm. Really am. The bigger question is, Trey Young. Yep. And the best comp NBA comp I have in this sense is is James Harden, but hear me out when I say that. Okay. Because I'm not saying that he's going to be like James Harden. I am talking in terms of how he plays and produces. Mm. So, we have no idea how Trey Young is defensively. Like mm-hmm. when we look at him, it's a train wreck. However, you can look at it one or two ways. One, he's just he doesn't have the defensive IQ. Mm-hmm. Or second, He's asked to do so much offensively, like James Harden is. Mm-hmm. That's where the Harden part comes in. Okay. That's uh, Oklahoma Sooners are just kind of like letting him free flow defensively, like right. take a possession off yeah. because we need you offensively. Yeah. Because he's averaging almost 30 points and 11 assists a game. Damn. And like Colin Sexton, he gets to the free throw line as well at nine times a game. And hits at eighty five percent. He takes 3 pointers a game, hits them forty one percent, and he's doing these Stephen Curry pull ups.
1: <laughs> there it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying he mimics the game. Right he's now. Not, I, I'm not. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm not mocking you. I've seen the Steph Curry comparison on multiple sites, Bleacher Report right. included. Like I, you know, we're yeah. as, we're as guilty as anyone. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's funny just to hear all of you know you know. In comparison to both oh, yeah. Curry and Harden, it's like, oh well, shit.
0: Okay, <laughs> yeah. no, he's he is ridiculous. He, mm-hmm. Here's the thing: uh, when pe- when I see people comment on his game, they fall into one of two one of two camps. One is, oh my god, this is the next superstar. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Right. The second is, oh, he's maybe got the potential to be an NBA player because yeah. he's so slender. Okay. Like that second camp. I've I've removed myself from that one completely like initially yeah. after the first couple of games I was like uh, he is very slender and then I started looking at his game and his production and I'm like no he's an NBA player okay, for sure yeah. the question is how good is he going to be like can he transfer that level of of production to the NBA mm-hmm. and that's where the big question remains I could definitely see him get picked in the top five I could also see him get picked outside of the top five yeah okay because he's hard to gauge
1: so going back to the magic then let's assume whether they trade Peyton at the deadline let him walk in free agency whatever Mm -hmm. do you think either sexton or young could be their answer at point guard or do they you know should they be all in on luka Doncic? do you think that's the better play and slot him in as the nominal three between fournier and gordon but he can be oh like if they win the lottery yeah Well, no, I mean, if they win the lottery, I assume they take Doncic and
0: that's like, he's the clear cut number one guy.
1: Right. But like, should they, should they actively tank to try to get him? Or do you think like Sexton or Trey Young, you know, God forbid they end up like six or seven, like, could either of those guys be their answer or should they just be like whatever, (laughs) whatever the rigging for Wiggins, whatever that is for Doncic this year.
0: No, I mean, I think Dantage is the type of guy you tank for. Okay. That's also why, personally, when it comes to the Bulls, who we talked about earlier, uh-huh. I do think they should like trade Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday and those guys. I don't think they should win. Uh-huh. I think Dantage is going to be a generational talent. Okay. I think he's going to be a franchise player. This guy is doing insane things in Spain right now. He's dominating the EuroLeague. Mm-hmm. At, at, and he's 18 years old. Right now in, in EuroLeague, and that's not the Spanish League. That those are, these are the amongst against the best teams in all of Europe. This 18-year-old kid has a true shooting percentage of 66.
1: Ooh. He's
0: third. Third in EuroLeague in scoring at 18.6. He's getting to the free-throw line at 6.1, time, 6.1 a game and hits them at 86%. He's 5.8... Re, uh, five, yeah, let me just see if I remember this right. 5.8 boards, 4.8 assists, and he's shooting a three-ball at 35.6%. This is off the top of my head. I was research, researching him the other day. Marty. And like you don't do that at that age. You're that right. type of production is like, placehold for guys who are in the late 20s, like, prime fucking years. Yeah. Man. He's 18, and he's controlling the game. That's the most important thing. When he has the basketball, Brian, he is in complete control of the offense. Like, he dictates pace, flow, calls out plays, sees patterns. Like, you are not at any point uncomfortable with him having the ball in his hand Mm -hmm. unless you're the opponent then you are scared shitless and some of the passes he drops off like you have to understand as well here in europe we are a bit harsher when counting assists Mm. so his 4.8 in the nba would be higher probably by a significant amount Mm
1: -hmm.
0: his playmaking is off the charts and to me, there's, like, him uh, him at the very top. DeAndre Aiden is closing in, but he's not going to top him. He's, like, you have a clear number one, you have a clear number two. And then everything gets a little bit murky after three. Hmm. Or after two. So, if I'm Orlando, I go for Dontich. And if I end up having a bad roll of the lottery balls, then I probably go for Trey Young. Okay
1: interesting so let's go back to the original question then right who who finishes last in the east if you had to guess today atlanta has a two well one game lead (laughs) i guess uh yeah but i'm kind of
0: pissed at atlanta because they won three out of four like this is this is actually very, very stupid of them because the Bulls are suddenly winning right? and they should take advantage by losing.
1: You would think so. Vittorian P- Prince is playing well as of late.
0: Yeah, he John is. John Collins he is playing didn't... well.
1: Dwayne Dedman should be back
0: soon. Mm-hmm. I still think the Hawks. I yeah. think they need it. I think they are... I think they are slowly but and quietly on the daunting train. Mm-hmm. And him under Mike Budenholzer? Oh my yep. god. That <laughs> yeah. would be...
1: I'm, I'm with you I think yeah I think the Hawks are I would have picked the Bulls three weeks ago but whatever's yep, gotten to what them I... yeah I think unless I mean maybe the Magic continue building on the great the Indian graveyard that they built on and like their entire team goes down with torn ACLs or something but the fact that you know if they if their injury luck reverts in any way they should be okay and I think they'll Start making some ground soon and uh, Charlotte. I just, I still don't understand why they're as bad as they are. It feels like they should be better, but I, I have faith that they will turn it around at some point.
0: Put as little or as much stock into this as you want, okay? Mm-hmm. Three nights ago, I had a dream that Charlotte won the lottery. <laughs>
1: And thus it is told that the Charlotte Hornets with the number one pick. We'll see. Yeah.
0: If if they end up winning the lottery,
1: we're gonna yeah. I'm gonna
0: piss myself because then I'm scared. Where Because that down. was so random.
1: Episode one oh two. If Charlotte yeah. wins the lottery, we're gonna remember that six months from now. Yep. Yeah. And uh, could you
0: imagine Doncic on in a, in a Air Jordan jersey? Oh
1: man. Doncic with Kemba, that'd be pretty fun. Oh yeah. All right, more let's go in. Now that we've got some spicy hot takes of the draft percolating, let's go into your new segment, which we are calling Morton Sizzling Draft Takes, uh, which you're going to highlight. I mean, again, I'm not paying attention to anything draft-related for probably another month or so. So you're going to educate both me and the listeners on guys who we should be paying more attention to or... Guys, who are like totally off the radar right now, which it sounds like your yeah. pick today is in the ladder camp. So hit, yeah. us, hit us with your draft takes.
0: I hate picking this guy today because during his last game against LA Tech, he went scoreless, which just <laughs> never bodes well. Nope. But prior to that, Agent Panava from Marshall. Uh, he's a 6'9", 214 power forward. He's leading the nation in blocks. That was... The, the funny thing is I came about him just looking at the stats initially like who was leading the nation in certain categories mm-hmm. and usually when you have someone you know leading the the nation in blocks or whatever it's one of those super big guys who are just like getting free blocks all the time uh-huh. and Ajin was like, he's 6'9, and I started looking at his profile because something interested me about him. It was, And it's like, he's not just a shot blogger, he was also rebounding 10, over 10 a game, scoring the basketball at 19 a game. Now, after his scoreless game, here, I'm, I'm going to read you the stats now 17.7 points a game, 9.7 rebounds, Damn. 1.9 assists, 4.7 blocks. 1.4 steals. He's getting to the line as well at 5.2 times a game, and he's hitting them at 74.4%. His overall field goal percentage is 63. And here's the kicker here's what I love. He's shooting 41% from downtown. Wow. Now, what, from what I've seen of him, that uh, playmaking, you know, the 1.9 assist, is not fair representation from mm-hmm. his ability to pass the ball. Like, he's making very clever, quick reads when he's in the post, like small drop off dump passes, like bounce passes to cutters and finding open shooters. Like, he's a clever passer. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's not this, you know, pogo stick and he's not seven foot one or whatever, mm-hmm. getting up for those blocks, it's very clear that he times it very well. He plays the passing lane as well, like 1.4 steals. And again, he's a rebounder. He can shoot from the outside. He can get to the line and can convert on the line. And only 1.7 turnovers a game, mm-hmm. despite all this. I'm not saying he's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying right now he's not on any mock drafts that I've seen. So please, if any, if anyone out there has gone, oh, I've seen him, just shout me a note on Twitter. But I haven't seen his name mentioned on any mock and that's what I think is wrong. I think he produces so much that you have to at least circle him in for the second round, at least.
1: I I mean I have not seen him admittedly play at all, but uh, it's a guy that I'm. I guess I'm going to have to watch a couple Marshall games.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But look here, let me just let me just give you something here. He had a game against Eastern Kentucky. Thirteen points, ten rebounds, seven assists, nine blocks, two steals, and he hit Damn. two threes. Damn,
1: what? <laughs> That's an intriguing skill set. I'll give you that. I mean, right? You can't. Yeah, you don't. You don't often find a a player capable of blocking shots at that high of volume and playmaking. So, if that can translate to the NBA, it'd be. Mm. Whatever, it's better than most second round picks. Seems like of the gamble. That's my point.
0: Exactly. That's my point. Like, if I'm a team and I'm sitting there in the second round and I'm going, I just want some production out of this pick. Right. That's the guy I'm looking at.
1: Yeah. Especially if you're worried about how he fares against NBA caliber competition, Mm -hmm. every team at this point, or almost every team, has a G League affiliate. Like, that's the perfect place you can get him some seasoning without having to worry.
0: Oh, he'll own the G League. This yeah. guy will own the G League. Like, and Antonio Blakeney from LSU, who's playing on the Bulls uh, G League team, is averaging, like, 36 points a game. <laughs> and he was averaging, like, 17 at LSU or something like that. Yeah. Like, Pinava here, he's going to destroy the G League.
1: I'm, I'm intrigued. This sounds fun. I'm I'm all in. He could be our. He could be our. The NBA podcast sleeper until you tell me yeah. about someone next week, and then I'm all in on him too. But
0: yeah, I know you, like. <laughs> <laughs> you were all in on uh, Jamal Murray as well.
1: Oh yeah, well that. Like, I mean that one's legitimate, but I. You know I love these like little weird fringe guys. I mean shit. TJ yeah. McConnell is one of my top five, probably favorite players in the NBA right now. So. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. If Panava is drafted by the Sixers. I'm not going to hear the end of it.
1: Yeah, they do have four second-round picks, three of which they will sell to the highest bidder because, Mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. Um, All right, so let's move in. Before we do our crush, we need to give a shout-out to Isaiah Thomas, who is making his season debut Tuesday night against the Trailblazers. It sounds like he's only going to play 8 to 12 minutes, and he's not going to play Wednesday. But very happy that he is healthy and ready to go. We are both excited to see this Cavs team with him, and Mm -hmm. fingers crossed that he can stay healthy and avoid any setbacks. Um, We'll touch on on more of the implications of this next week, but James Harden's out at least two weeks with a hamstring injury as well. So the the Rockets, I mean, they have such a huge lead in the Western Conference standings. They are seven games ahead of the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are in fifth place, that I don't think they're going to rush... Harden back anytime, you know, if if that two week timetable gets pushed into a four week timetable, I would not be surprised at all. Um, But we'll, we'll touch more on that next week when we start debating some all-star stuff as well.
0: You only hope that. So your LeBron for MVP (laughs) vote is
1: going to get increased. No, I only hope that I keep saying that I want James Harden to finish second in the MVP race from now until the end of time. Because they stand so hard for him, for the like they they think MVP is more important than a championship. By the way they discuss it in Houston, <laughs> so I want him to always be the bridesmaid and never be the bride. Because I just want to see Daryl Morey's head explode when like he gets his fourth MVP runner up. It's gonna be great. But yeah, <laughs> Le- LeBron is definitely winning MVP now.
0: You're very- an evil shithead sometimes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's true uh all right let's go into our crushes these are players who deserve more recognition than they're getting and my my pick is admittedly a cheat this week it back for your durant pick a couple weeks ago morton but do, mm-hmm. do you want to go first or should i
0: oh i'm gonna let you because okay. yeah act a fool
1: that <laughs> so there's this guy demar Derozan. have you ever heard of him yeah, I know he's really a fringe guy, like end of the bench player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, good. So, mm-hmm. no, we we have to give credit to DeRozan not only for his career high fifty two pointer against the Milwaukee Bucks on New Year's Day, but here's shooting
0: three stuff. Yeah,
1: here's what catches my eye. In those last seven games, he's twenty of thirty eight from three point range, almost fifty three percent from the field. He's still totally sustainable. <laughs> I mean, he is. He is hitting a career-high 1.1 per game on the season, taking 3.0 per game. He's hitting 34.9% of them, all of which are career highs. You know, the the Raptors, after their playoff last last year, uh, Masai Ujiri said, like, we need to change our style of play. We need to not go into iso ball so much. We need to start passing the ball more. We need (laughs) DeMar DeRozan to start taking threes
0: we have to do entirely logical things right
1: yeah we have to join yeah. the 21st century yes but right. <laughs> but they have and it's really yeah. like they you know we we have admittedly not talked much about the raptors on this podcast because they're just doing the same old thing that they've been doing the past Give me couple some of years news. yeah <laughs> but you know they're in second place in the eastern conference right now yeah. they're only two and a half games back of the boston celtics DeRozan's playing at a career-best level or close to it. I mean, it's it's intriguing. I'm intrigued yeah. by what's happening in Toronto this year, and I thought, especially given, you know, the hot stretch that DeRozan is on recently, twenty nearly 29 points in his past seven games, he deserves some shout-outs in this podcast. So kudos, DeMar, for, I mean, damn. If he, if he if he starts hitting threes consistently, this is a very different Rappers team, and I'm much more scared of them than I normally would be.
0: DeRozan averaged 19.2 shot attempts from two-point range last year. That mm-hmm. has gone down to 14.8, so that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not, not that I'm saying two-point shots are bad, especially if they come at the rim, but he seems to be more selective now when taking them and if he is well beyond the arc like he's not going to dribble his way five times into a contested two-pointer like he's going to dribble up see if he has you know, daylight from three and he's going to take it mm-hmm. which I appreciate that's just that's the way it should have been for like the last three years <laughs> right but you know better late than never tomorrow yeah, totally
1: it's it's impressive I, I'm mm-hmm. I, I, he deserved some recognition for, again, joining the 21st century.
0: My guy who deserves recognition was a former Toronto Raptor. He's now a Brooklyn net. Demare Carroll. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I know. He's averaging a little bit sneaky here, 6.8 boards per game, 12.6 yep. points, uh, which is a career high. He tied a career high, but he's doing it in less minutes. So on a per minute scale, he's averaging a career high in... Points and rebounds. He's not hitting as well from the field as he could have, Mm -hmm. but the Nets haven't been a strong team, partially due to all the injuries and whatnot. Still, I like what I'm seeing out there. I'm seeing a more aggressive demari Carroll. I'm seeing a guy who's not really bummed out on being on the Raptors, (laughs) right? Which we saw over the last two years. Yep. Like he looks more engaged. He looks more interested. And he seems to be enjoying basketball again, which is really something that when he's on and he's engaged in a game, he can really be a difference maker. Like, defensively, yeah. he's strong. Totally. He can guard twos, threes, fours. Uh, so, yeah, shout-out to Carroll.
1: Yeah, I mean, his knee injuries really sapped him in Toronto and then when he left Toronto, he gave that whole thing about how they did play too much ball and how they all kind of just stood around and watched Kyle and Demar. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been fun seeing him revitalized in Brooklyn. And it's a, another feather in the cap of Sean Marks, the guy who I am just going to stand for from now until the end of time, it feels like. But, uh, yeah. Did you see here on Twitter, I forget when we discussed Sean Marks in, uh, in detail, but someone tweeted at both of us at like a Frank Isola tweet, I think it was, where he was like, What name one good thing Sean Marks has done. Like I oh, didn't... No, that
0: was Stephen Stefan Brody. I think. Oh, was it
1: okay, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry Frank. Yeah. It was yeah, it was I knew it was one of the New York beat writers. But I didn't realize there was an anti Sean Marks camp. I thought I was just preaching to the choir here.
0: Oh yeah. But oh, now yeah.
1: now that I realize that Sean Marks is just Hinky two I'm oh man. We're starting it again.
0: <laughs> well to be fair like if you're against Sean Marks at this point you don't know what you're saying
1: right yeah I. you would think so but clearly there's, mean, there's some anti-Mark sentiment floating around out there yeah, but
0: that's just ridiculous look at what the man has done
1: yeah I, I agree I agree yeah
0: I mean I think that's pretty self-evident yeah. honestly yeah
1: you would hope so uh, yeah <laughs> alright that's gonna do it for today's episode of the NBA podcast next time we're gonna Start some all-star discussions, barring any catastrophic news, injuries, trades, whatever. Uh, until then, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And you can find us also on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Teporek, and I was joined, as always, by my co-host, Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort.
0: You too, Brian. I'm looking forward to next time when I will be discussing why Jimmy Butler deserves to be in the MVP conversation.
1: Oh, all right. We got some spicy takes next time. Get pumped, everyone.